when the Packers drafted other crop last year, we were sniffing out the new draft class, and it was, it was. Uh, let's see here. I do believe you had proclaimed, and rightfully so, Romeo Dobbs would be the guy to flash right away, and that it would be Christian Watson who would catch on later, right? I mean, you said that, correct, Rowdy? Yeah, and then it also helped that that came to fruition, especially with Christian Watson having the knee issues in camp, so that that deterred him from even playing even earlier. Yeah, so uh, Rowdy sniffing out it. I wanted to look at the uh, the draft class, you know, that just happened for the Green Bay Packers. They got 13 of them. Now, offensive side of the ball, their most uh, veteran uh, wide receivers, most experienced wide receivers would be who we just mentioned, Kristen Watson and Romeo Dobbs. <laughs> it's uh, it's hey. actually pretty wild that uh, Christian Watson, year two, Romeo Dobbs, year two, Samari Toure, year two, Bo Melton, technically year two, but first year with the Packers. Yeah, Jeff Cotton, technically second year with the Packers. I couldn't even tell you how many years he's been in the league. <laughs> and then all the new rookie wide receivers. Um this offense, I mean, we talked about it some yesterday at the end of the show, high risk, high reward. And when it comes to money, Rowdy, can they bring in uh, an experienced veteran? Like, if there's even one out there for the Packers, do they have money to do so? They don't have a ton of money, but we'll see where this uh, team is at here come training camp. Yeah. But I am looking, I am looking at um, Jeff Cotton and his stats. <laughs> Because he is the most unknown to me among the entire receiving core, he does not have any statistics in the NFL. That's uh, but he has been on the roster now, going in for his second year. That's that's so yes, that's even less than I expected. <laughs> I figured he would have caught on somewhere and caught some passes sometime. I guess I was wrong. Uh, yes, this Packers offense is. Uh... Aaron Jones is your guy. Like, Aaron Jones is your dude. Uh, A.J. Dillon, would you say then, would be the second dude? Like, who's second on this? I guess Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs? It's Aaron Jones, obviously, is the bell cow. And then what, Rowdy? Who comes in the pecking order? Who's second? Who? Watson? Okay, so I I just got more in-depth here. Jeff Cotton suited up for one game for the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2021. Wow. F and A, Cotton. <laughs> F and A. So, yes, now that we know, uh, officially two years is the most experienced wide receiver in the Green Bay Packers wide receiver room. <laughs> All right, so uh, this offense. Okay, there's so many questions about this offense for the Green Bay Packers. Um, Aaron Jones, who's number two, Rowdy, on this offense? Aaron Jones is number one. Is it Watson? Is it Dobbs? Is it I think Dylan? I think as of right now, if you're talking about a playmaker, it's probably Christian Watson from what we saw last year because we saw the flashes of just the little drags over the middle that he turned into a touchdown or the seam routes or the deep post, some of the deeper go routes that he was running. Mm-hmm. He was a playmaker. I would say... Yeah, playmaking ability, one Aaron Jones, big gap, two Christian Watson. And you have Jordan Love throwing Christian Watson the ball, Romeo Dobbs the ball, who literally is, this is the great experiment coming up for the Green Bay Packers. You know, everybody loves A.J. Dillon. You don't. I don't, I I get it, he's all right, (laughs) but doesn't it feel like there's more hype over him because of what he's done out in the public than what he's actually done? I don't think people's anoint him as like the second coming of uh, the running back. Well, they always talk about, he's like, he's a nice guy and he loves Wisconsin. I think that's the lore of him. Aaron Jones, lightning and thunder with AJ Dillon. Yeah. Aaron Jones is the one that's the the complete stud. Yeah. I I don't think anyone doesn't disagree with her. I feel like, I feel like a lot more people think AJ Dillon's a lot better than he is. I think they just like him more because he enamors himself to the state of Wisconsin. I it, you know, it goes a long way when you like Door County and you like cheese curds and you like, you know, uh, the, the the team and the, the culture. I think that's where it comes from. Uh, but yeah, Aaron Jones is head and shoulders light years better than A.J. Well, I'm Dillon. talking about A.J. Dillon as a playmaker, like on this offense, because oh. the king says, Nelson, you hate A.J. Dillon because he stole your applesauce gimmick. No, I, I think you're onto something. King. I think you're onto something, Kinger. 
I'm just looking at it as like a from a playmaker perspective because Jones is a game breaker. Christian Watson can be a game breaker. They don't really have anyone else that's legitimately a big playmaker. Yeah, that's why we're talking the offense right away. I mean, Aaron Jones is your guy, and then like like Romeo Dobbs is nice, but he's not a guy that's going to test you on a go route. Like he he is like your solid possession receiver. He will make all the plays that he has to make. He can go deep occasionally. He can go underneath, but he's not a guy that's going to take it 80 yards to the house on most weeks. Same thing with A.J. Dillon. Like, they're nice players, but they're not playmaker playmakers. I don't know if I've ever heard anyone say A.J. Dillon's a big-time playmaker. I just always heard that he was, and always thought he was just solid, you know. And then he's got two names for his thighs, his quads. Well, that's why I brought it up, Roddy. Who, who's the second biggest playmaker on this team? Uh, that's why I want to look at this Packard draft class as well. Last year, you sniffed out Romeo Dobbs the flash right away, and then after a while, it would be Christian Watson to catch on just because Watson from, comes from a you know a smaller school compared to a, compared to a Romeo Dobbs. Uh, now looking at it, who do you think is going to break out right away? Luke Musgrave? Jaden Reed? Tucker Craft? Uh, Datavian Wicks? Go down the list a little bit. Uh, I don't know if Lou Nichols is going to be doing too much. Grant DeBose. Like, who, who are you tabbing this year to break out for the Packers the two tight ends? Well, I think, yeah, I think if you're looking at the two that will come in and, and play right away, it's going to be the tight ends. And both of them have the ability not only to block but to make, you know, nice plays down the field. Obviously, Luke Musgrave is a, a big seam guy where Tucker Craft is kind of an all-over route guy. So, yeah, I would go with the tight end Uh, just because the wide receiver room is so open. I wouldn't be surprised if all of a sudden Samari Toure looks great out of the slot because he's finally getting opportunities. But then at the same token, with Grant DeBoe comes out and all of a sudden he's the leaper on the outside. Like, I feel like it's wide open outside of Dobbs and and uh, Watson at wide receiver because we just talked about it. Nobody has more than two years experience in the NFL at the wide receiver position. And now the same can't be said about tight end, but it's not much more experience outside of two years from the tight end position. What you have Tyler Davis that's been there for a minute, but he's always been a fringe roster type player. Mm -hmm. You have Josiah DeGuara who has obviously been there. What for three years now? And he, you know, and you have Austin Allen, that I believe it's his second, second, third year in the NFL. But again, he's a fringe roster guy. And then another guy they just picked up who's been around for a minute, but always as a fringe roster guy. Yeah. Then, then you drafted Kraft and you, and you drafted Musgrave. Yeah. Like, it's not a whole lot of experience, but, but those two tight ends, they can't, I think they can be, because remember when we were talking about it uh, on Monday after the draft, mm-hmm. I said, I don't want to compare them to these two, but could they be like a Jeez. Gronkowski and Hernandez? Not yeah. maybe to that skill set, but a good tight end combo. Which one was compared to Jason Witten? Which one was that? That was Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame. He oh, was drafted that was by it. the okay, Raiders. Gotcha. Um, and then here's the other thing going against Tucker Kraft. Uh, he was drafted in the third round. I mean, <laughs> Gutekunst just doesn't draft well in the third round, but I think this guy could break the third round curse. Because was it was it DeGora in the third round? Yes. Is that Goody's best pick in the third round? Just it's DeGora? arguably yes. Now you got Tucker Craft in the third round. He'll have an excellent chance. I mean, the South Dakota State product, I mean, you can catch and he can block. He's uh, the best athlete, you know, at that position right there. And um, the Packers been devoid of, like, some really – good tight ending since what Bob Tunyon broke. When did Bob Tunyon break out for that one year? Uh, 2021. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's been a while. That was his biggest year. Yeah. Now, like Bob Tunyon showed flashes like when he was like a quote unquote fringe roster guy, kind of like when he was Tyler Davis, mm-hmm. but that was like the, the end of Ted beginning of, of Goody. And then he, he had flashes and he had that one big year in 2021. And then, obviously, the knee injury. (laughs) All right, so a lot of uh, question marks on this Packers roster. We'll hear from Matt LaFleur as well, because he was talking about, you know, Watson and Dobbs being the most experienced in that room. It's a scary thing going into the season. Um, You really hope this Packers defense can pick it up and Joe Barry can actually have some berries and have this defense live up to its hype, because this offense, 
I don't know, Rowdy. What do you think this offense is? Well, I, I, say, I don't know how good it's going to be. I laugh because there's not much experience, and we talk about who's the playmaker, who's the playmaker. And outside of A.J. Dillon and Christian Watson, it's hard to name a legitimate playmaker. But I think looking at this team, Musgrave could be a big, big-time player. Mm-hmm. Kraft could be a big-time player. They they could help out immensely. Uh, depending on what you get from some of these wide receivers, each wide receiver kind of offers a different skill set. Like, Jaden Reed is clearly going to be in the slot with Samari Toure. Uh, you look at... Uh, DeBoe is clearly going to be an outside guy. Mays, he's going to be uh, probably, or sorry, <clears throat> excuse me, I can't even hardly talk. Uh, you have another receiver that's going to be probably the slot and outside. He's going to be moved around. So, I mean, each one of these guys they drafted kind of has their own specific uh, role or plays a specific role, and it already kind of fits into the <laughs> Christian Watson is the playmaker. Romeo Dobbs can run almost every route. And then Samari Toure's our slot. Yeah, the Packers now have seven 2022 or 2023 draft picks on the roster at receiver. That's <laughs> uh, the great unknown coming up here for the green and gold. Who's going to break out? Who, do you, who's your, who are you picking to break out? The last year, Rowdy said it'll be Romeo Dobbs right away, then Christian Watson at the end of the year. Rowdy, what happened? It's exactly what happened. Exactly what happened. And un- it was unfortunate that Romeo Dobbs went down with that ankle injury. Because mm-hmm. that, I really would have liked to have seen what they could have done, obviously, once that offensive line uh, became more uh, sturdy and soluble when Bakhtiari got healthy and, and Jenkins all of a sudden got healthy uh, to see what they could have done with Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson. Because they were really never healthy at the same time. No. What, maybe a few games of overlap? Because remember, in training camp, Christian Watson decided to sit out because he had his knee scoped, put him behind the eight ball. Then he had hammy issues early. And Romeo Dobbs was the one that was playing well, looking like the player. And then Romeo Dobbs got his ankle ripped off. And (laughs) Christian Watson's like, my hammy's good. Uh, Get me the football. And then towards the end of the season, obviously, with an ankle injury like Romeo Dobbs had, he was never going to be healthy like the rest of the entire year. But he got back on the field. But he wasn't the same And just because of how bad the injury was. And then it was, yeah. So, yeah, it's unfortunate. We're going to finally get to see them both healthy, hopefully, this year. Yeah, this Packers offense is... um Got a lot of question marks. They're, your most tenured wide receivers are Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson. Nobody on the receiving core has more than two years. This will be their second year of Ooh. experience in the NFL. Oh, baby. Um, I, actually, I take that back. The guy with the most experience in this receiving <laughs> core is Jeff Cotton, who played one season in 2021 with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Ooh. He appeared in one game and then was a practice squad player for the Green Bay Packers for about half of a season. So technically, he would be th- this would be his third year removed. But yes, when it comes to games played, that's Toure, Dobbs, and Watson. F&A, Cotton. F&A. Well, here- <laughs> Bo Melton's also a second-year player. Oh, Rowdy, I have a um, comment here from Matt LeFleur, Mr. Eyebrows, uh, asked, uh, with a first-year quarterback and such young wide receivers, what are the expectations for the offense this year? Expectations are to to put in the work each and every day and, and get better and better and better. But um, never going to limit what we can and cannot do. We just got to find out what works best. Uh, certainly having a lot of youth is exciting because you really don't know until you get these guys in here and start to work with them. But um, I, I do think we've got some talented players to work with, and we'll see what they can handle. All right, Randall Cobb now a New York Jet. Alan Lazard a New York Jet. Sammy Watkins, uh, this was in the question. He stinks. Uh, he was good years ago. Uh, he gone. No Mercedes Lewis. Yeah. You asked me the question, who would be the standout this year for the Green Bay Packers? That that was at 6 in the morning. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a great answer for you, and I still don't have a good answer for you because – the reason why it was so easy to pick Romeo Dobbs last year 
was the fact that Romeo Dobbs played at Nevada, which is you know not necessarily a Power Five school; it's smaller college. Yeah, but he was productive every single year. I think it was two or three seasons he went over a thousand yards receiving. And then when Nevada did match up against the Power Five schools of the world, Romeo Dobbs would show up. He wasn't all of a sudden you know shut down by some Power Five solid corner. Yeah. He would show up every single game. And he played with some NFL talent. Uh, Cole Turner was with, I believe, the uh, the Commanders. Um, the backup Carson or the quarterback Carson Strong was like a practice squad type quarterback. So they had some NFL talent. And when he played against legit competition, he was still pretty good. And he had a a solid history of production. Now, why was it easy to say Christian Watson, if he's going to bloom, is going to bloom later? He's a guy that hadn't played as much. He's young, right out of North Dakota State. It's not the same competition. And he was very up and down when it came to uh, catching the football, athletic ability, and putting up numbers. But the talent was there. The weird part about this uh, current class, so many guys are inconsistent. Like, look at what the Packers did. Luke Musgra- uh, okay. yep. Musgrave, yep. 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 he was great for like half a season in 2021. He was hurt and, and dinged up since. He didn't have that solid production. Tucker Craft, again, he had really big 2021, but he had the bad ankle in 2022. But teams like Alabama were interested in him. Yeah. You have uh, Wicks. Wicks is a guy that's had ankle issue. And his offense stunk. The quarterback was new. Everything was bad. Yeah, yeah. Grant DeBose. Again, so many guys that they drafted this year, it's weird because they're all coming off of down seasons. That's why they got them with value in later rounds and or injuries where it's like, well, they've shown a lot on tape for flashes, but they haven't been consistently healthy. Yeah. Should we start worrying about the Milwaukee Brewers? They have uh, now dropped two in a row to the lowly Colorado Rockies. They're in uh, altitude and managed to score just one run. Rowdy, should we start worrying about the Milwaukee Brewers who have a lot of this life that you've uh, talked about with the young guys now hurt? What we should be worrying about is the fact that the Milwaukee Brewers have been so bad against left-handed pitching. And it's not that they've just been bad for one month. This Milwaukee Brewers core group of players have been really bad against left-handers since 2021. Mm. And you saw that early in the season, this team was scoring a lot of runs. It was exciting. The team was playing really, really well. But that also coincided with a lot of those young players like the Bryce Terangs, like the Garrett Mitchells, like the uh, the Joey Weemers that came up, played really well right away, and they were helping hitting some of those lefties. That Their numbers were actually... Uh, decently high at the, in the first couple of weeks of the season against lefties, but it was because those young kids came in and played so well right away. The the same core of players are still struggling against lefties. Mm-hmm. Now, what have we seen a month into the season? Well, the last couple of weeks or so, Bryce Mitchell is done for the season with a shoulder injury. Uh, you have Bryce Terang and Joey Weimer clearly. Uh, pitchers have now found maybe a book on them, and now it's time for them to make adjustments. You look at some of the other guys that are on this roster where uh, can they improve against lefties? Well, we've seen that they haven't been able to do it now for two-plus seasons. One of the guys that actually has been trending up so far this year is probably not necessarily his righty-lefty splits, but it's because of the lack of a shift, and that's Rowdy Telez. Yeah. And Rowdy Telez has been swinging the bat quite well since about the second week of the season. But other than that, who's really going to change anything? Like, we haven't seen it for two-plus years. I don't anticipate <laughs> it to really change. Like like I said, it's going to lay on the shoulders of the young guys that will have to come up and contribute. Maybe it's like the guys that haven't played as much, but again, they're role players like Owen Miller has swung the bat quite well, or Mike Brasso, who hasn't gotten nearly the same amount of playing time, or a Tyrone Taylor that's been out quite a bit the last year or so. Those are the guys that I would anticipate if it gets better are the reasons for it.
There's no reason for me to believe that some of these guys that have been playing every day the last two plus years are going to get better. Like, uh, you look at what about Christian Yelich? The Milwaukee Brewers against left-handed starters this year have the worst OPS in Major League Baseball. They have the worst slugging in Major League Baseball. Mm. You could even go one further and talk about their average against lefties is 27th. The runs created, which 100 is average, is 29th at 72. Their K rate is last, 32.8%. Their OPS is last. It's not good. That, oh, by the way, I didn't, I, I, sorry, I didn't list the average. They're 27th in average. They're batting 205. Ooh. That's awful. That's, That's not, not good. good. Now, on the flip side, they're in the top 10 when you look at a lot of right-handed categories. But I think the bigger worry is long-term is what the hell is going on against lefties? Can this be corrected? Can it be fixed? And I think going forward, can the Bryce Terangs who came out so hot of the gate, can the Joey Weimers make the adjustments now that the pitchers have made adjustments on them? Yeah. And that's where you see a lot of the, the make and break in whether a prospect is going to be good or not. A lot of guys come up and play quite well in the first month or maybe even the first year. And then all of a sudden these teams that have all the analytics in the world, all of the video in the world make adjustments or find little things. And all of a sudden they're not as effective. One guy that really comes to mind for this. That's a really good example that came and hit the scene and was really quite good in his first year or half a year. And then you never heard from him again. Remember Taylor Youngman, the starting pitcher. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Old, first round pick out of Texas. Old friend. He pitched really well his first sniff of the big leagues. Yeah. And then he got rocked. And then he was out of the league. The young man. Like he rocked. never he never made adjustments. He he never got any better. So that's what we're gonna find with some of these guys. Like Joey Weimer is a five potentially a five to a player if he could bring his average up. But that's a ceiling. And yeah. he's a prospect. They believe Bryce Terang and, and Garrett Mitchell could be four or five tool players. But again, that's a ceiling. How many prospects ever hit that ceiling? If they did, there'd be a lot of superstars out there. Yeah. Well, what's, what's hitting like a prospect rowdy going to the gas station, getting a scratch off and winning a big money off of it? Basically. Yeah. And, and now back to your point about the Brewers and what's going on in Colorado. It's just a bad series. Yeah. I mean, they're no, not they just playing one well. against the Angels. Yeah, they're not they're not playing well here. And it's not even like they've played bad. It's the offense that has been bad. Freddie Peralta looked really good yeah. on Tuesday. Yeah. He had swing and miss stuff. Like that was arguably Ten some Ks. of his better stuff. Twenty five whiffs. Unfortunately, yeah. Freddie Peralta, the two times where he missed his spot. It's in high altitude, and they took him out of the park. Yeah. And he left, and, and he wasn't the loser of the game because when he left, it was tied at two. Well, Strezlecki got the L, right? And, and Strezlecki took the L. Oh, what are we going to bag on Strezlecki? It was the second freaking run he's given up all year. It was an unfortunate <laughs> loss. Yeah, it sounds like a, it's, it's weird bad. that I have to be the positive one. Well, I'm not, being, I'm not being negative here. You go and look at the Brewers, though. They lost the series to the Red Sox. They lost the series to the Tigers. They won the series against the Angels. And now they lost the series against the Rockies. Well, look at Lauer last night. Lauer should have been out of the inning. He had four unearned runs given up. Yeah, yeah. that That's going to kill you. Yeah, One or two unearned runs could be the difference in a game when it comes down to winning and losing games at the major league <laughs> level. And at the same time, it's not one or two. It was four. <laughs> All right in the first few innings. Yeah. Like, you just put yourself in a huge hole, and you really didn't do anything until late. And then, just in general, this series, the Brewers have been really bad hitting when they do finally get innings where they put guys on. They've been awful with runners in scoring position. That being said, today, if Wade Miley can come in and pitch like he's pitched all year, and basically like he's pitched since he's been healthy in 2018 with the Brewers... If they can come in, still win a game, you just don't get swept. Yeah. When you lose series, you just can't get swept. That's the difference between losing three games in the standings and one. Yeah. So if the Brewers can come out of here, go on to San Francisco, but Wade Miley throws a dandy today and the Brewers win and they just lose the series two to one, you know what? 
We'll have to go back and look at this entire West Coast road trip as a whole because remember, not too long ago, they spent 10 days out on the West Coast. They were seven and three. Yeah. This is another short little West Coast trip where you have, what, three against the Rockies, three against the Giants, and then I think you have another short West Coast trip in, in mid-August. If the Brewers leave this West Coast trip 500 and say they're like 10 and six on the West Coast going into to that mid-August final series on the West Coast, I think any Brewer fan would take that. We've seen how bad the Brewers have been on the West Coast under Craig Council's tenure since 2015. There's been years where they really struggle late at night on the West Coast. I, I Again, they're just not playing good baseball right now. You get a win today, it salvages uh, the series. Yeah, let's go Wade Miley. Let's go, then they got the uh, Giants, excuse me, after the Rockies. Which, thankfully, a 9-15 first pitch central time, but it's a Friday, and then it's not too bad. I believe it's 6-10 and then 3-10. It's a fan site, Wisconsin Sports Heroics. Never heard of it. Oh, yep, are yep, you talking yep, about a Christian yep, yep, Yelich yep. article? Here's the headline. Christ- I read this. Oh my god. Christian Yelich. Uh, Yelich. It's only theory now. Christian Yelich critique reaching dangerous levels. As uh, the what? writer goes into, uh, this is uh, like fan sided. It's, it's Wisconsin sports hero- heroics. Just like a fan. I think it's like this guy's personal blog. Okay. He, he worked. It's like a just. They do Packers, Badgers, Bruce Bucks. Uh, this article does not mean Yelich is free of any criticism. But this guy goes on to say how essentially you you shouldn't boo Christian Yelich, which I'm not a booer anyways. Yeah, I don't boo him. You I shouldn't, just, but I understand the people booing Christian Yelich. Like you shouldn't boo Christian Yelich. He's just stealing money. Goes on all. to say that while he was at a game, he heard Christian Yelich uh, getting threats at American Family Field. No, he did. Did you re- did you read the entire article though? I did read it. What, what, what part stood out to you? Uh, the fact that he's talking about one particular incident. It's like, yeah, yeah the yeah, booing is legit. He was like at the friends. game. Yeah. He was at the game. The booing is legit. I mean, you don't have to go to the game to see that some people are starting to boo Christian Yelich <laughs> because yeah. when you make that much money and you stink, that's what happens. Yeah. He, he cited a group of friends but at yes. one game he went to. And it was one particular guy at the one particular game. And the one particular guy at the one particular game was also asked to leave yeah. by security. They got removed from so security. So clearly the guy was out of control and or probably intoxicated or... Uh, yeah, like yeah. he's clearly so out there that they had to remove him. It's not just a guy booing. They also go on to talk about this article about how Brewers social media is piling on Christian Yelich too much. Do people not? This goes to Dave from Anona as well. Like he's it, back. Do people not realize what the Internet is anymore? Do you not understand that the Internet, you can be a nameless face, a, a nameless, faceless individual and be an a-hole? Yeah, and without repercussions, that's that's part of the internet. I'm not saying it, it's right, but my God, just hey, move people, on from it. Some people do it with the face and their real yeah. name. The, the, since the internet started, that is this has been happening. I don't. Yeah. People have become so soft over all this. Oh, yeah. Are are there a holes on social media? Yes. Do I get them? Yes. Do I acknowledge them? No, because it's part of it. You just move on. Rowdy, do you get a holes in your mentions? Yes. You Remember how I would come after Ryan Braun? Yeah. When I was the, throw a home run when I back. was the Ryan Braun heel, we yeah. had we had people cheering Yelich at the game I was at, but he went three for five. RJ, you get people talking smack. I do. You just you just move on. Ryan it's Braun, the internet. Ryan Braun was my favorite player. He he took the reign from Jeff Jenkins when we were little kids, and you finally realized that Jeff Jenkins was decent but not great yeah and he hit in 2007 it was like you're just starting junior high it's like this is the guy loved ryan braun he was my guy Mm -hmm. and then it was a little iffy when he said the i am innocent and then you believe them then you believe them for the next year until he got popped like to what he ended up getting popped was it with two or three failed tests but only counted for like one or two uh then you're just kind of like past it. And the fact that he could never get healthy and he could never be that same guy after using, he fell a little bit in my book, obviously. Yeah. But at the same time, Ryan Braun would go out there and took his lumps, whether he liked it or not, even after a terrible, terrible lying press conference where it was like that, that was just so bad. Yeah. But you know what I do like about Braun? 
even when he wasn't Ryan Braun, the MVP or that great, great player, he was still, whenever he came up there and needed a big clutch hit, Ryan Braun was clutch and Ryan Braun played better the louder the booze got. Totally. He fed, he fed off of him. And now in this article from Wisconsin Sports Heroics, they talk about how you can't pile on Christian Yelich from at the ballpark. I don't boo our own players anyways. And you can't tweet mean things about him. You know Who, how... No, duh. Like 99% of people don't do this. You talk about for anyone that is really good at anything, whether that be baseball or basketball or chess or whatever you want to talk about to be that good at something and to be like in a competitive arena, you have to have a bit of an ego. Yeah, totally. And that's what gets those guys there. Now I get it. Like, Christian Yelich might be a nice guy off the field because he doesn't have a quote-unquote ego. Mm-hmm. He might be cooler to hang out with than Ryan Braun because Ryan Braun could just be a D-bag. But <laughs> it doesn't help him in this baseball arena. Mm-hmm. You needed to have that ego saying, I am the effing man. I am going to go out here and be great. Because Ryan Braun had all that stuff tossed on him, and he still, when, the boos, did it. when the boos were the loudest, he was the best. <laughs> you know where he's awesome? In Wrigley Field, where they really piled on. Yeah, and he was he a was cub great. killer. There were people that like, came in with posters of syringes. Dude, yeah. think, <laughs> about, cub killer. think about Alex Rodriguez. I think he knows uh, so much about baseball when you listen to him on those broadcasts. Yeah. But does he come off as a D-bag, self-centered, oh, egotistic? A hundred percent. Oh, yeah. But that's what made him great yeah. when everyone said he sucked and was a user and was booing him. Oh, you can't. No, you can't do this. You can't it, do that. It honestly feels like. This. Yes, I can. Now, granted, we don't know. <laughs> I'm how not going Christian, to anyways, but I can do whatever I want. We don't know how Christian Yelich actually feels about this or what, yeah. what he is. But say he is on the same kind of wavelength as this Sport Heroics article where he's like, oh, they can't boo me this is mean then you're never cut out to be a great player yeah you're soft you're you're not you if you can't deal with the adversity you were never that great yeah and a majority of people uh, don't boo them it's like it's it's like a handful of a-holes that's every walk of life you're gonna have a handful of a-holes who are doing a-hole things baseball to a speaking at the water cooler to driving on the freaking belt line it goes right on back to how we always quote harvey dent you're a hero until you live long enough to become a yeah, villain. Yeah, it's like, Jesus. or you die a hero, or you live long enough. Everyone to become is a so soft. Well, when, I think, when you play well, you get the paycheck, and then all of a sudden, yeah, the and everybody play drops loves off, you. Yeah. People uh, start to hate you. Well, then the, the mob is fickle. The mob is fickle. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> but like at the same point, when you talk about Christian Yelich, it's like there's also that that old adage that it's harder to stay on top of the mountain than to get there. Yeah. And Christian Yelich, he was a good player back when he surfaced with the Marlins. He was a double sitter. He was a, a guy that played good outfield and he hit for average double sitter. Wasn't some big power guy. All of a sudden it was, you know, six, you know, 16 started to, to mess with that launch angle, become a little bit more of a power hitter, 17, same thing. Then he gets in a more hitter-friendly ballpark, and he's got it perfected, and you see him go off on 18 and 19. Then the kneecap injury, 2020, we we say, okay, whatever. It was a fluke two-month season, and since then, he has been horrible. He has had 21, 22, and the start of 2023 have been statistically his three worst years when he should be in his prime of baseball time, and you know what? Maybe he seems like he's trying, but guess what? You're not staying on the mountaintop. Yeah. All right, let's try to sneak a couple calls in before break. Line one, good morning. I got a new call. Yeah. That's great. Line two, good morning. Terry for the north side. Oh, Terry, man. Um, we're up against a break, and I know you like to go a little longer. I like hearing I'll, what you have to say. I'll make it real. I'll make it real quick. Here. Okay. I'll make it. Real I don't mean quick. to. I don't mean to like make you go quick. Oh, but. I understand that. No, I understand you got limited for time. But you know who else believed Ryan Braun? <laughs> Aaron Rodgers. Yes, yes. And here's my question. They're not friends anymore. Did Hollywood Rodgers not go on Twitter or Facebook and make some bet with a guy? He did. That he was sure that Ryan Braun was innocent. He needs to pay up. Aaron Rodgers needs to pay up. Terry, did, many, did, did Hollywood ever pay him? No, he did not. He just, he just ended his friendship instead. Terry, Terry, how about this, too? Many are saying Aaron Rodgers is now wearing number eight for the Jets because of his old college number. I say it's because he wants to rekindle his friendship with Ryan Braun. It's He's honoring signal. Braun by wearing the number eight. And that way he can go up to Duma and get him say, you're fired. Hey, there it is, Terry. Hell yeah. <laughs> Pay your debt, Hollywood. Pay your debt. 
That poor guy out there deserves the money. Love you, Evo. Love you, you too, soon. Terry. See you, buddy. Go, go, buddy. See you, buddy. Oh, that, that was a great call, Terry, my man. Yeah, Rogers it never was paid a whole year bet. of salary. It was. Rogers never paid up on it. You you can't tweet mean things. You can't boo. You can't say a bad word about him. This is getting out of hand. It's like, how many safe spaces do we need for every walk Leave of life Christian now? Christian Yelich alone. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. You're lucky he does this for you. Cry harder. Jesus. <laughs> so this was 2013 when Aaron Rodgers went at it back and forth with a, a fan <laughs> And he responded, yeah, I'd put my salary next year on it. Well. What did he make in 2014? In that year, he, the guy the guy would have gotten paid $4.5 million, according to this TMZ article. Rogers, it's time to pay up. Yeah. It was right before he signed his big extension. Time to pay up, Rogers. Oh, <laughs> you bought it, man. And this guy, Rob Reichel, he's like Robert Plant with all the words he puts on paper. Forbes.com, Conley Media. What's up, Robert Plant? Man, you know, I'm, I'm going to dig up this picture and send it to you boys, and you can have some fun with it. But about 30 years ago, I, I went as Robert Plant to a Halloween party, and and back back then I could pull off those pants. Um, oh, I couldn't do it anymore, Evo. Couldn't do it today, my friend. Rob, but, uh, I have bell yeah, bottoms. Was- I have tight bell bottoms because uh, I went to like a 70s uh, party for New Year's yeah. Eve. Uh, they're yeah. corduroy black. Bell bottoms and they fit just like Robert Plant's, like a dream. You just got to be careful where you well, put the hog, you know. Because you're 30 years old and you're in ridiculously good shape. It's uh, yeah, that's that 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 that's sadly the life of middle aged men who get the dad body. So, <laughs> well, Rob, we can um, we just get a little Crisco, we'll Crisco you up. We'll we'll slide those pants. There right we there we go. Right. So yeah, well, <laughs> we need a lot of Crisco, Evo. <laughs> <laughs> Hey Rob, I, 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 I always appreciate the intro music, though. You, 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 you guys are—you're uh, you, undefeated in that department. Rob, you're the man. We love you, buddy. Uh, you are—I mean, Rob Reichel, Robert Plant. You got the Rob name. I mean, Robert Plant writing down his lyrics and putting them out there. You writing down some awesome stuff. Forbes.com putting it out there. I just saw a new article about you uh, talking about writing about the Packers finishing in fourth place in the NFC North. I want to talk about that, but first, Robbie. Let's go back and cover the draft. Last time we spoke was before the draft. What did you think of Brian Gutekunst's latest uh, draft class, and who's going to be the breakout star of said class? Yeah, you know, overall, I, I really did like it. I mean, we can nitpick at a lot of things. My biggest thing is I would have went wide out right away at 13, even traded back there and maybe picked up another pick. If, you know, Smith and the Jigba, you know, you guys know how, how I felt about him. Same way last year I felt about the two of Ohio State kids, Olavi and Garrett Wilson, and they both wound up as the rookie all pro wide receivers, right? Um, but, uh, I, you know, I, I won't spend a ton of time there. Um, because I, you know, we, we talked about this guys last week on the show. If you had to list Green Bay's needs in, you know, probably even in order, Evil, you would have went wide receiver, edge rusher, and tight end as the top three, right? Um, number four, probably safety. They hit one and two, one, two, and three immediately, right? Van Ness, the outside linebacker out of Iowa. Musgrave, the tight end out of Ohio State. Jaden Reed, who's going to start probably from day one, the wide receiver out of Michigan State. So, you know, he, he went need, 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 and thinks he got himself a really good p- player at every, every single position. Time's going to tell on that, but it really was one of those years, and we talked about this last week, where their draft needs, um, really did probably line up in a lot of places and a lot of times with the player they had ranked highest on their particular board. Only they know for sure if they cheated the board a few spots here or there. But teams do that all the time. You know, if you're desperate for a tight end, if you're desperate for a wide out, sometimes you have to cheat the board a little bit. I don't think that this was the year they had to do it. It was a ridiculously good tight end draft. Um, they got They got two of them. It was a good edge rush draft. Um, you know, they, they started things off with, with Van Ness. I think they could have waited a little bit there. Um, they got themselves two defensive linemen that I think are going to play right away that had to replace, you know, Jaron Reed and Dean Lowry. Um, you know, top to bottom, I, I thought it was really good, Evo. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you asked who I think the breakout player is going to be. I think Jaden Reed stepped in from day one, and he's, he's a starter, Evo, and he probably catches 60 passes right out of the shoot. He's going to play in the slot, I think, from – 
from day one. I, I Maybe if they have an injury or if, if, if you take Watson or Dobbs off the field, he does have the ability to bounce outside and, and play some on the perimeter. But most of, most of the time, I think you're going to see him, you know, lined up probably 80, 90% at least of his time in the slot. And on top of it, and I know Green Bay has an outstanding return man right now that you know, everybody fell in love with last year. They gave him some money this offseason in Keyshawn Nixon. But Reed has that exact same ability. Um, so if there's an injury there or maybe they want to split the duties or something like that, you know, Jaden Reed certainly has that ability to be a, a dynamic player um, in the return game as well. Brian Gutekunz told me um, during one of those press conferences over the weekend, I asked if, if Reed was the highest player on their board in terms of special teams and in the return game, and he said, yes, he was. So um, I, I, I do think they got a really nice player there at pick number 50. So, you know, we, we can nitpick a little bit as we go. Evo, I, I think the pick of the kicker was really bad. Um, I, I, I don't I don't think he'll make the football team or he'll get cut at some point. Well, so is Crosby back or no? What's up with Crosby? Nope, Crosby won't be back. He's done? They're going to let these couple of young guys fight it out. There's one other one on the roster right now, but obviously – when you're a draft pick, you, you're going to have kind of first uh, shot at that position. And, and if and if things go haywire with Anders Carlson, the sixth-round kid out of Auburn, then they may, they may be going a different direction. But right now, to me, Evo, you know, and, and, I, and hey, for Packer Nation, I certainly hope I'm wrong. Um, you know, but, but Carlson's body of work at Auburn doesn't instill a lot of confidence mm. that he's going to come in and, and set the world on fire. Uh, you know, Evo, he was <laughs> – he was not, he was ninety one percent inside of forty yards, which is obviously terrific. You know what he was outside of forty yards, Evo? What? Fifty three percent. Ooh, not that's, good. That's not good. Rob, not good. What you forty and, and forty and beyond? I mean, that's where half your kicks are. Yeah. So, what did you think of Sean Clifford, by the way? You know, here's why I didn't mind the pick. Oh, okay, everyone I've talked to like hates it. I figured you would be the yep. contrarian. I love this. Come on, Robbie, let's go. Yeah, no, no. I, I and, and here's what I like. I I think the guy has enough athleticism. Remember, he ran a four six two at Penn State. He's really smart. He scored a thirty on the Wonderlick. He's the perfect guy for seven years to ten years in the league to hold a clipboard. And the last thing the Green Bay Pat and and he's good enough, Evo. You know, if, if if love is out two games, four games, whatever, I think he can get you through and go 500 if the rest really? of your roster is pretty strong. I really, I really do. Um, I mean, he holds every Penn State passing record there is. I get, I get it. He doesn't have terrific arm strength and all, and all that kind of stuff. And scouts wonder and worry, can he make all the throws? Where you know, probably not. But they would obviously dumb down and simplify the offense for things he could do. But here's why I like it, Evo. Hell yeah. You know, if you go if you go round two or something like that with a quarterback, remember, then that's what they did back in 2008 when Rodgers was taking over and they took Brian Brom in round two. And then they took Matt Flynn that year in, in, in round seven. Rodgers was pissed, man. Rodgers was not happy that they took a second-round quarterback. He already had enough pressure on him trying to – trying to fill the void and, and step in for Brett Favre. But, you know, a lot of second-round quarterbacks wind up playing and playing a lot and starting in this league, Evo. And then Rodgers, he didn't necessarily view it as a quarterback competition, let's say, but, but he, you know, he certainly thought, well, here's a guy maybe at some point in time who could put some heat on me, and if we're struggling and he's good, the fan base is going to be screaming for him. Evo, no one in the fan base is going to be screaming for Sean Clifford. <laughs> so um, from that from that perspective, I think it's the perfect guy to come in and back up Jordan Love. Um, and, and, again, I think he's got the ability, if Love is out three weeks with an ankle, that you've got a chance maybe to go two and one. He's out a month. you got a chance to go two and two, you know, in, in, in those particular games with Sean Clifton. And no one's ever going to be yelling in an offseason season. Man, Clifford's got to step in and replace uh, Jordan Love. Robbie, I'm going to set you straight right here. Uh-oh, uh-oh, Rob. Your Sean Clifford uh, take is my Bo Melton take. <laughs> hey, hey, and, and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see. And, that, and that's what's fun after these drafts is to make these guesses and projections because that's all this is, right, at, yeah. at this point in time. This is, you know, remember, four or five years ago, I, I was the one telling you Graham Mertz was going to win three Heisman. So I mean, well, it's, it's, we all got caught fun. up after the Illinois he game. He can still get one. 
<laughs> he could still get one. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. And and as you guys know, I was the last one, the last man standing there on that bandwagon, looking pathetic, waving my little pennant flag. That's a grab merch that I had my merchy jersey on and stuff. I, hey, I, we I all bamboozled. When, we were all bamboozled. When, when, I, when I make a prediction, I I, I stay with it till the last possible. So, Robbie, speaking of predictions, you mentioned some of the defensive linemen, and you think that they'll probably all play here. Lucas Van Ness, obviously the number one uh, pick for the Packers, but you also had Colby Wooden out of Auburn in the fourth round, and you had Carl Brooks out of Bowling Green in the sixth round. I agree with you. I think all three of these guys play, and I think it's kind of interesting because all three of them can play multiple positions, whether that be edge, defensive end, or nose tackle. Do you think we'll see, obviously, all three of them play, but also play different positions to kind of feel out where each is best year one? There's no doubt about it. I mean, and that's part of the growth and the learning curve, and especially because they do have other guys, you know, who are largely flexible up there. I mean, if they want to go with a monster package on that defensive line, they can play T.J. Slayton at the nose and kick Kenny Clark out to a, to play a defensive end and, and things like that. There are some there is some versatility with some of these players. The key is Joe Barry has to figure it out, and a lot of people wonder if that's even possible. Um, but to your specific point, uh, Nelly, yes. I mean, here's what they're going to do with Van Ness. That, that he's already making a positional change from going as a, you know, a down lineman in Iowa to, to play outside linebacker in Green Bay. I think they will try to keep things as easy as possible for him, uh, much like they did Rashawn Gary, you know, four years back when he was making that same switch from, you know, a, a defensive end in a 4-3 to an outside linebacker in, in Green Bay and, you know, for the most part, Van Ness will stay there, but he'll obviously move inside on, you know, on, on passing downs and be given every opportunity possible to get after a quarterback. You know, Colby Wooden is a guy who's really interesting to me, and I think here's my here's another one of my my predictions, guys. I think I think Wooden starts from day one um, as as one of those defensive ends. Remember, now they lost they lost Dean Lowry and Jaron Reed. They've got bodies to fill and and they they, they you know positions to fill up front and they, they need guys to do it. And I wouldn't could be one of those guys who's a steal in round four, almost like Mike Daniels was, you know, a dozen years ago, whenever that was, they brought Daniels in 15, I guess, even now um, time gets away from us. But um, no, what wouldn't, I mean, wouldn't again, unbelievably athletic four, seven, three in the 40. He moves ex- extremely well for a guy up front could go and play some, you know, some nose type stuff, play some defensive tackle. He'll also play on the edge. I, I think he starts on the edge from from week one, Nelly, um, and and lines up there, ne- you know, ne- next to Kenny Clark and whoever else, you know, pro- probably Wyatt holds on and wins the starting job. But but that could be your front in in the opener. It could be Kenny Clark in the middle, and 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 kind of lining up next to him will be Wooden and Wyatt. Um, would would be my guess at, at this point in time. And I just I don't think you can get. You know, 40 snaps, for example, out of a, a T.J. Slate. I think he's still a spot player because, um, you know, he, he does struggle getting after quarterbacks. Really nice in the run game, obviously, but struggles getting after quarterbacks. And then you hit on another guy who I think, you know, has some real upside in round six in, in Carl Brooks, who put up ridiculously good numbers um, in terms of sacks and pressures and, and TFLs and things like that at Bowling Green. Now, the, the the cynic and the skeptic will say, well, yeah, that's fine. He did it at Bowling Green. Um, but the, the bottom line is he did it. And, and now you, you really would be worried if he went to Bowling Green and, and he struggled, right? If he had four or five sacks a year, if he, if he wasn't putting up monster production, he put up big, big, big boy numbers while he was at Bowling Green. The Packers are hoping, you know, he can put up numbers half that good in Green Bay. He's got a lot of measurables that fit exactly what they want and and i'm with you nelly again part of it is because you know they are they are thin on that defensive front and um, they've got some holes to replace and some bodies to replace but i think brooks winds up in that rotation um maybe and maybe not in the first month nelly but certainly as the season unfolds um and and you kind of see him and wooden and wyatt maybe become the guys to get the most snaps next to Kenny Clark. Uh, Robbie, so um, I want to ask you this before we run out of time. Um, 
And go check them out, Forbes.com. Great articles there for Rob covering the Green Bay Packers. What did you think of the Jordan Love contract extension the other day? Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I think it made a lot of sense for both sides. I mean, it, it really did. Um, you know, if, if, if you're Love, you, you could have you bet on yourself and bet for a, you know, a, a breakout 2023 season and then turning it into a monster contract. Sure, you could have done that. But, guys, remember back to 2008, um, you know, the, the Packers took really good care of Rodgers that year. They were in the middle of a 6-10 and 10 season, and, you know, Rodgers was playing well. He wasn't playing, obviously, at MVP level or anything like that. But they had kind of recognized, yep, he's our guy for down the road. And I would say about November of that year, I'd have to go back and look up the exact dates. I'd say it was 10 or 12 games in. Um, they gave him a monster extension for the next five years. And, um, you know, they, they took care of him. Green Bay is going to take care of their own. You know, so in, you know, on, uh, on some levels, yes, um, you know, Love gave up a, a, a little bit, um, you know, of, of, of that flexibility, I guess you would say, if he has a, uh, a Jaden Hurts type 2023 season. Um, but again, I don't, I don't think he's going to lose out dramatically because I do think the Packers will take, take a, you know, take the approach that they want to take care of their own first and then they will. And then from Green Bay's perspective, obviously, you know, if, if things do go haywire here, um, you know, there are some real easy outs and, and things like that. I, I don't anticipate that's going to be the case, uh, you know, but to answer your initial question, Evo, I, I, you know, I, I think both sides gave up a little bit, but both sides kind of, kind of were the winners in this deal. I, I think it really did work out nicely for both sides. Robbie, I think the the guy that I want to look for with super late value in this draft is probably going to be Anthony Johnson, especially at that weak safety position. This is a guy that a lot of publications thought should have been going much higher. Yeah, and again, again, we'll see. I don't put a lot of stock into you know what some guy writes in a magazine or something like that. Who's who's never been a scout in his whole life, Hell and yeah, his, his his dream is to work for the Eagles or. Or, or, or the Raiders, and they take his resume every year and they throw in the garbage. Um, but I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong either, Nelly. I, I, I do think that's a perfect guy to circle. The other guy I would circle is Carrington Valentine, the, the, the seventh round corner out of Kentucky, who's still really young. He left Kentucky two years early, and he runs a four, 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 forty. You know, so his time is great. I think both of those guys, right out of the shoot, Nelly could turn out to be really key special teams guys. And, and, you know, back to your guy for a second, Johnson, the safety out of Iowa state. Um, I mean, green Bay still has a massive hole with safety. Um, say what you will. It, it's probably the weakest spot today on the roster. I, you know, are they going to make some strides here now and, and bring that, you know, with Adrian Amos and try to bring him back. Maybe it didn't seem at the draft, like they still had a ton of interest in doing that. And if that's the case, that means, you know, you're, you're opening the year with an all likelihood savage and then either Rudy Ford or Moore, the kid they signed from, from San Francisco. So that, that position could be wide open is what I'm saying, Nelly, in the course of, of training camp, that if a kid like Anthony Johnson co- comes on and plays like game, gangbusters, tears it up on a daily basis on the field, he could wind up throwing himself into that mix just because they don't have a lot of talent and a lot of bodies back there. Uh, they just redid Savage's deal, um, you know, to, to pick up some cap room and things like that. Don't be shocked if Savage eventually, you know, that I, I still think there's an outside chance they move on from Savage and trade him, uh, before the season begins. But, he, but if, you know, but if, but if he's in the mix, then, um, you know, he's probably going to be on the field. He, he was a former first round draft pick, but now again, you're, you're looking at a crop that doesn't instill a lot of fear in defensive coordinators with Rudy Ford and Moore and, and guys like that. So I think it's a good call, uh, Nelly, in terms of Anthony Johnson. He, he's a guy who checks a lot of the boxes, and uh, you're talking about a position on the roster that, that, that really is wide open going to training camp. Rob? Uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk more about your articles and Packers finish and last uh, predicting in uh, next week coming up here. But I I do got to ask with Randall Cobb going. Uh, let's see here. You got Billy Turner, Tim Boyle, Alan Lazard. Is, is are the rumors true? Is Aaron Rodgers trying to get Rob Reichel to come join him to be part of the New York Jets media? <laughs> He's already gotten older and slower at all those positions, Evo. 
that's not exactly the way to win a championship. Uh, if you're if you're Aaron Rodgers GM, I don't think he wants to get any older and slower by adding me to the equation. <laughs> Rob, you just got a new knee. Yeah, you got a, you're ready to kiss you're some ass and ready to go. You're ready to walk around that, that uh, locker room in New York or New Jersey. That, that's a great point. I just did a massive yard project yesterday. I Bionic Robbie. Bionic <laughs> Robbie. We're uh, oh. yeah, you know what we're. Uh, we're still betting against Mr. Rogers, probably trying to break me out. Although, although I will tell you this, boys, and I think you know this well, I I think I would fit perfectly uh, in the New York media. <laughs> Rob, you the man. We love you, brother. Much love, Robbie. All right, boys. You uh, you guys have a great weekend. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll, we'll see a court side of the Rogers at the Knicks game. All right. See you, bud. Okay. <laughs> Rob Rice of Forbes.com, Conley Media. The ultimate draft coverage, NFL drafts, college football analyst, fantasy pros, betting pros, his only faults, which we all can't be perfect, a Vikings, Hawkeyes, and Gophers fan. <laughs> Our guy Thor Nicer, what's up Thor? How you doing boys, good to be back with you. Yeah, always a pleasure man. I still can't get over the allegiances, but hey, we extend the olive branch as Wisconsin and Packer fans here for you brother, because that's how freaking oh, good yeah. you are at what you do. Do you sleep Thor? Do, when's the last time you actually Appreciate get eight hours of sleep? Uh, I might have gotten it last night for the first time in like eight weeks, to be honest. <laughs> Uh, so I'll be better for this spot. <laughs> I'm curious, my man. How, how does one a prepare for the upcoming draft, and then what's your like workflow like uh, as the draft hits and then exiting the draft? Like, what what happens for you in your world? Yeah, well, for me, I covered these kids, you know, for three, four, five years in college football, and then we get to the spring, like after the national title game, and then I go full time to the draft and dive into them even deeper. And the two months leading up to the draft every year, just wild, you know, just like trying to get all that work in to both make the 500 player board with the 500 uh, player comps, and then I go even deeper than that. I think this year I got up to almost 850. You know, when you count the, the position rankings, stuff like that. Thor, what did you want to do when you were a kid? I'm just curious. Exactly what I'm doing right now. Hell yeah! I'm living the dream, my man. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of tape, like a lot, a lot of tape. Luckily, I love to watch college football, so it is no problem. <laughs> well, tell us, give us the skinny in that uh, that beautiful mind of yours, Thor, on Lucas Van Ness, the first round pick for the Green Bay Packers. I really like that pick. Yeah, like I had a, him a couple of slots higher on my board, and. What, like so, like what you have with him right away, he's a speed to power nightmare. Like coming off the edge, he bullied all kinds of elite tackles in the in the big uh, Big Ten, and so you have that thing. The thing they got to work on him with it's the counter moves off of that because basically his speed to power and that ball rush he's got, it's like a hundred two mile per hour fastball, mm. and all they need to do is, is teach him a change up, teach him a breaking ball because the offensive tackles in the NFL too, you got to sit back on your heels getting ready for that heat. And that's how you can counter move off of that to free yourself even more. If he does that, his game's going to jump up all the more. Uh, Thor, I'm going to combine two of the tight ends here just because so we can cover a lot of ground here. Which tight end do you like more for the Green Bay Packers that they got, Luke Musgrave or Tucker Craft? Well, it's funny because they took Musgrave at 42, and I was like, you dopes, there's a better receiving tight end on the board right now. You just took Musgrave over him. And then they got that guy 36 slots later with Tucker Kraft. <laughs> I think Tucker Kraft's going to have a better career for the Packers than Musgrave does. Ooh, baby. Now, there is a, something that uh, I don't know if you believe in or not. Brian Gutekunst in the third round, not very good. Hopefully it's not the kiss of death for Tucker Kraft, but I, I don't nah. think it will be. This guy looks like a badass. He, he for sure is, yeah. And and one of the reasons I think maybe the NFL overlooked him is because he was so dominant in the FCS. He would just get separation just from the athleticism because he had such a trump card over the other athletes that he was playing. And so you're wondering, like, is he a nuanced route runner or does he only win with athleticism? But that's all he had to, you know, like, he didn't need anything else to just blow by people in the FCS. Then he's running away from him once he had the ball in his hands. But, yeah, that's something to work with. He's obviously a younger kid. It would have been interesting to see last year there was a whole bunch of FBS programs this time last year that won, that were offering him the NIL deals to yeah. transfer up. It would have been interesting to see him at the higher level. But I think if he had, there's no way he would have been available at the 78 slot, you know, if he had gone to Alabama or one of those schools and put on a show for a year. I think you get him at a little bit of a discounted uh, price point. 
and I think he's going to play right away. Uh, Thor Nystrom joining us right now. Follow him on Twitter at ThorKU. Find him fantasy pros, betting pros. Uh, his own website, ThorNystrom.com. Thor, uh, Badger fans know about Jaden Reed. He uh, caused some pain and misery for us. The wide receiver out of Michigan State. What's the skinny on the second-round pick uh, for the Packers here, Jaden Reed? There's people that like Jaden Reed more than me. I, I thought he got pulled up a little bit because this was a poor receiver class, and he started to become more attractive and more attractive as he went along because of that. I love the way that he competes, uh, both for the ball downfield, like for a, a shorter receiver. He's really good at that, going up and, and getting it, whatnot. And then also after the catch, you just can't quibble with that. Like, he's a really good yak guy after the catch. Mm-hmm. But I, I think just overall, like in a normal class, he probably would have been a day three pick just if it was like a normal receiver class. But they obviously saw something in him that, that was different than what I saw. I'm going to wrap all the other wide receivers up in this before I get to uh, the fourth and fifth round. Uh, what's the what's your take on Tavion Wicks as well as uh, Grant DeBose, the fifth and seventh rounders? Yeah, it's it's funny with um, with Wicks. You know, it, it's not the exact same thing as I was talking about with Musgrave and Kraft, but it's you know between Wicks and Reed, but it's not too far off. Like. I only had Wicks 17 spots below Reed on my big board. Hmm. I'm, I'm a big fan of Dontavian Wicks. He really impressed me down at the senior bowl. And I was looking for him too, because in 2021, he was really, really good. And then last year as Virginia's team, like they, they had a new coaching staff. They had a tragedy later in the season. It was a really trying season. And Dontavian Wicks really regressed during that season. So you're wondering like, is it the 2021 Dontavian Wicks? Is it the 2022 Dontavian Wicks? He goes to the senior bowl and he was shaking people out of their shoes in his routes on the one-on-ones. He, he has a real knack for the route running, which gets him open. You look at his athletic profile, it's nothing like that's going to blow you away. But because of that route running nuance, I think he's going to get separation in the NFL as well. And I, I think he's going to succeed. Nice. Um, what about Colby Wood in the fourth rounder? Uh, Brian Gutekunst dipping into a little defense again, uh, defensive end out of Auburn. Yeah, he's a little bit unorthodox because, like, beforehand, I was wondering, you know, do you rank him with the interior guys? Do you rank him as an edge guy, whatnot? You know, he's a little bit on the smaller side if you're going to do it with the, the defensive tackles, whatnot. But he certainly has the athletic profile, and he can cause disruption. So they just have to decide what they think he is and then, you know, just sort of d- develop them there. But just as far as, like, a ball of clay with that, I, I, I thought that was a solid pick. All right, Thor, you need to help us out here with this next <laughs> We've. I have yet to find. Well, I found one person that likes it. Uh, I'm going to pull the room really quick. Benjamin, your thoughts on Sean Clifford? Uh, are you a fan? Yay or nay? <laughs> no, no. Rowdy. The least. Sean Clifford. Yay if or nay? If you're looking for a guy that'll be in his mid to late twenties with a bad shoulder, I'm also available. Hate it. So Thor, uh, you know a lot about Sean Clifford just because of your rooting interest in college football as well. So do we as Badger fans. Your take on Sean Clifford, the backup quarterback now for the Packers. I, I was a bit confused by that pick for sure. And, and, and in this draft class, it, it, you know, it, it was interesting because there were so many quarterbacks that were getting taken. And, and I think that they, I don't want to say that they panicked by taking one, but they clearly had an idea they were going to take a quarterback and they ended up taking one that I would not have. Thor, you know what you, me, Ebo and Ben all have in common with Sean Clifford. There were multiple that? publications that left our profiles off of them as well. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I have yet to find someone that likes this. I mean, obviously, Brian Gutekunst. They didn't even have a blurb for him on the draft. They had him in for a meeting a couple you know, weeks before the draft, and he must have really wowed in those in those his visits to Lambeau. I don't know, dude. It's, it's, it's a head-scratcher to me as well. Well, I will say there's one coach in America that thinks he's better than Will Levis. That's James Franklin. <laughs> hey, Thor, uh, look at us, uh, the rest of this draft here. Uh, I know we're running out of time. Uh, so real quick, I guess, Carl Brooks and uh, Anders Carlson. was our Carl Brooks, the DT, out of Bowling Green. Yeah, the Anders Carlson one, I, I could have taken that one or left that one. He was my fifth kicker. I, I didn't think he was draftable. But Carl Brooks, I thought, was a really good pick. It, like you talk about a guy that was a disruption machine in the Mac, you look at his sack numbers, you look at his TFL numbers with him. It's a, is he a three technique in the NFL? Is he an edge in the NFL? You have to figure that out. The athleticism is a little bit lower, but the production speaks for itself. And I also think he's going to get into the backfield in the NFL. 
And then uh, look here out of the seventh round. Yeah, Anders Carlson was a kind of a head scratcher to his. He's got some some NFL blood though, right, Rowdy? His brother's a kicker in the NFL. Yeah, but his brother was really good in college. <laughs> seventh round. Um, I'll just go DBs and the running back here because we already kind of covered Debose a little bit. What do you think of Carrington Valentine out of Kentucky? Uh, you take the, the shot on him on the athleticism, uh, like the athletic profiles there, and that's what you're looking for with those late round picks. Is, yeah. is you just take a shot on the the upside with the athleticism. You bring him in, you see what you got, and so in terms of that, I thought that made a lot of sense as a dice roll. Lou Nichols, the Central Michigan running back. Yeah, yeah he, well, he, he was super fun on action these past couple of years. He, he's just a grinder. Like he's not athletic at all, but I mean, <laughs> it's really hard to stop that guy behind the offensive line. He's going to break tackles for you. I just love how you're like, yeah, in the late rounds, you want to grab, you know, athleticism and speed and, you know, traits. And then you go, oh, Lou Nichols. He was not athletic at all, but he's a fun grinder. <laughs> but he's a grinder, dude. He's a grinder. And how about Anthony Johnson out of Iowa State? A lot of people liking this one. Yeah, the, there are a lot of people that like him. I, I dinged him a little bit. For, you know, I was talking about the athleticism. Anthony Johnson's a guy that, that maybe not quite as athletic as some of the other corners, but he definitely has coverage skill. So, so I definitely understood that one, and he's absolutely a guy that can make that week one roster. All right, Thor, if people want to – I know I said it a couple times, but I want you to just right from the horse's mouth. How can people get all this amazing intel from your beautiful mind that you put out there? How can we all consume all of it, Thor? You can find me on Twitter at ThorKU, and you can find my NFL draft stuff at Fantasy Pros. All right, Thor, before I let you go, uh, obviously we're Wisconsin Badger fans here. Uh, you have allegiances to Iowa and Minnesota. My question to you is, who is winning the West – coming up here for the final year before we welcome in uh, UCLA and USC? Oh, man, this is the toughest question of the of the interview. I, I, I like I hate how good the hiring of Luke Fickle was, and I think Phil Longo is going to do really good with that offense. So I, I might have to say the Badgers, even though I just hate to. Yeah, but Ethan Kaliak-Manis is the longest-tenured quarterback in the West. Oh, gosh. Well... We'll see how that goes. Hey, Thor, you're the man. Much appreciated. We love talking to you every draft. Uh, you're awesome. And, uh, the beard's beautiful as well. You're a handsome fellow, Thor, and we love you. Appreciate you, boys. Always good talking to you. See you, homie. There he is. Good stuff from Thor Nystrom.